all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. Good morning, and thanks for being with us today. This is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, and I am Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm really delighted to talk about this issue that's important, and I really don't think it's discussed enough. And actually... Even though we've known for many years, probably back into the 1700s, what an important issue this was, nobody really named it. Um, That is emotional contagion. It's whether it's joy or tranquility or fear or anger or sadness. We as human beings are wired to literally catch emotions. A woman named um, Elaine Hatfield, uh, an academician and co-author of a book called uh, Emotional Contagion, first described it. She is a professor of psychology at the University of Hawaii. And the way she defined uh, emotional contagion was the tendency to automatically mimic and then synchronize facial expressions, vocalizations, postures, movements with those of another person. And so she described this as converging emotionally. And if you think about that, it really does make sense. I think a lot of us do that. Now, everybody is not as susceptible as as others, you know, everybody's not the same. Um, and we can talk about who is who is more likely uh, to be that person who has more susceptibility to emotional contagion and who those are who are more likely to emanate those postures or or spoken words or even accents that that seem to be more catching. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about how it works, uh, how important it is to be aware of this and and to know if you're really susceptible to this emotional contagion, what what should you do? How should you approach it? And so as we're moving through, I'd love to hear, hear, hear your thoughts on this. If, if you feel like that you've been involved in this, 
if you don't feel like you have, then I'd be surprised. I think all of us, if you think about it, are affected by emotional contagion. So, Abram, I'm going to stop there and just say, what are you thinking about this? You and I haven't gotten to discuss the topic at all. We haven't. We haven't talked in a little while, actually. I know. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. It has. Um, The first thing I did was I immediately, immediately had to Google it. Yeah. Uh, what emotional contagion is. And I saw that like it, it can spread. It's the spontaneous spread of emotions and related behaviors. And it categorizes two people into powerful transmitters of emotions and powerful catchers of emotions, mm-hmm. which is basically what you've said so far. Yeah. Um, so really, my Google search did nothing for me because I could have just sat here and listened. You can just listen to me. Um, well, listeners, I would love to hear from you as we're talking through this. So jump into the conversation at any time and send an email to family at mpbonline.org. You know, we're talking about emotional contagion. And there, there's a lot of evidence out there. There's been a lot of research over the years that people um, feel emotions that are consistent with the facial expressions or the postures or the expressions that they adopt from other people. So, for example, if you are – you walk into a room and – a coworker is talking about something upsetting, and there's a frown on that coworker's face, and they're slumped shoulders, and there's an edge to the voice. Then think about the way you typically respond. Do you typically respond with a smile? No. You typically sort of take on that air. We would. If somebody videoed you, you would likely frown a little bit, lean in a little bit, or, or perhaps lean out, depending on how, how the, the feeling of the room is. You'd probably lower your voice, and you'd likely not have a, a lilt or a smile to your voice. And so what we all need to realize is that not only are are we being affected, but we are affecting others. Now, Abram, you were talking about in your Google search, you you found something that sort of separated people out into to two different categories, sort of the, the empathetic person who is going to take on all those emotions and feel, and then that person who is just going to emanate those emotions but not take anybody else's on. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like a lot of people um, can pinpoint, like just hearing it, you can pinpoint certain people in your life who are those powerful, you know, transmitters of those emotions. Like when, when someone walks into a room and they're happy, then everyone else has suddenly become happy. Yeah. I bet we can all um, think of examples, and and I can think of of uh, a couple in particular who, not surprisingly, my husband and I love to hang out with, and they are. Um, I'll go ahead and name them, Ann and Jack. And and there are individuals who they walk into a room typically with caring, positive looks in their faces. Um, 
always welcoming and and always asking about you and leaning in typically not you know even though we're very close friends we don't talk about a lot of terrible stuff we sometimes talk about a lot of funny stuff it's it's enjoyable to be around so they are those individuals some of those individuals i can name many in our lives who who tend to pull us up and you know we talk about that a lot we've talked about that on on this show as we've talked through relationships over the last few months about the fact of um why you hang out with people you hang out with and and um, why do we continue to hang out with individuals who sometimes bring us down? And that's a good question. I, I think we, we all need to do some introspection on that. I don't think there is quite as a hard line divide between those empathetic who take on emotions and those who only emanate and don't take on other emotions. I think that most of us are probably that in-between. We do both. Right. I I feel like it's probably a gradient. Like Mm -hmm. there's some that are more strong transmitter of transmitters of emotion than than I might be but there's also some people who are more empathetic than I might be yeah yeah exactly you know if we talk about this on a little bit more elevated scale or an overall look at this think about how emotional contagion is working in our lives every single day um you know that probably the first people who really started documenting uh, emotional contagion, even before our researcher that I told you about earlier, um, was uh, even before Elaine Hatfield, who who defined it. There, there was a lot of knowledge about it from advertisers, believe it or not. They were some of the first who started really using that. And if you think about it, as I was, as I was working on this show this morning and I was talking to my husband about the different um, advertisers who, who are out there, have been out there over the years – Think about the Coca-Cola advertisement where Santa, I know we're approaching the holidays, where, where Santa's holding a Coke and smiling. And so what that, you know, so then you look at a Coca-Cola and you think about jolly old St. Nick smiling and the fun of the holidays that some people feel. Yeah, it's all already associated in your mind with like a jovial... Yeah, attitude. Something positive. I'm going to name another commercial that I think every time somebody hears the word progressive insurance now, they think about those hilarious um, commercials, their ads. And so everybody thinks positively about that insurance company, or many do, uh, because of those funny ads. So we're being influenced and our emotions are being influenced on a regular basis, whether we know it or not. And so we need to be aware of it. We 
literally catch emotions from others, from other individuals who perhaps are emanating strong emotions, whether happy or sad, good or bad. And sometimes those emotions can really impact our lives. And we're going to talk about that as we move through the show and what we need to do and how we need to be aware of it so that we don't allow it to perhaps take us in a negative direction. The uh, the funny thing that came to my mind talking about all this was that uh, with the the negative or you know negatively powerful individuals who transfer their emotion, you know the uh, the thing that always comes to people's minds is uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, uh-huh. and then the opposite of that would probably be like Tigger from also Winnie uh-huh. the Pooh. So I I. I'm having like a weird Winnie the Pooh like <laughs> nostalgia critic thing That's going really on back good. here. Yeah, because yeah, Eeyore yeah. is, you know, the mule who's always sad, and Tigger is the the bonging. Um, uh, so, yeah. you guys, if any listeners out there don't know Eeyore and Eeyore and and Tigger, you need to Google them so you can see them or Bing them, or whatever your search engine is, <laughs> not to be biased. Right. All right, we're going to go to Avery and Madison, um, who's going to talk to us. Hi, Avery. Thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm in a group that uh, studies family systems, and uh, we have recently finished uh, Friedman's uh uh, generation to generation, and uh, we're mm-hmm. looking for uh, a recommendation for a book, uh, particularly as it relates, and as you are well aware, how we relate to our uh, different family members has a direct effect on our emotions and our ability to function. I was wondering if you would have any uh, recommendations along that line on uh, books to study for family systems theory. Yeah, well, I, I I would suggest, I think that um, I just really have enjoyed uh, Elaine Hatfield's Emotional Contagion. It's, it's a book um, called exactly what I'm talking about today. And, and, you know, I think that she sort of sets a stage. It's not all about family but but it's just about how behaviors and modeling and and what people are exposed to can do to you and so i think it would be a good one if 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 that sounds good to you sounds good to me yeah. uh, thanks for your response absolutely it's emotional contagion and her last name is hatfield like hatfield and mccoy's <laughs> Easy to remember. That Thank sounds so like a wonderful group. Yeah, we've been doing it for like 20 years, and we have not uh, uh, solved any family problems so far, but we're still exploring. You know, I think it just helps to talk about things and share. Sometimes we get more ideas than than you think from just sharing some of those issues. So it sounds like a good thing to do. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Well, let's stay on the phones because we have Stephen in Boonville about reactive people. Hey, Stephen. Hello, I know it's been a while, but uh, I caught this topic when you started discussing it this morning, and it really struck a chord with me because I am in a, a marriage, and I'm not, I don't say this 
to be critical of my spouse this, this 45 years, but we're so different in this area of her being someone who seems to react to everything and everyone around her compared to me who remains quiet and more of, of just listening and, and trying to reason out why is this person acting the way they're doing. Mm. And it's, uh, I see it's, I'll have to see it through the eyes of something that did not quite mature in a person who has more control of, of, uh, allowing themselves to react to their environment or decide how they're going to not react to it. It's, it's a level of, of emotional maturity is what I'm seeing, but, uh, it's, it's a, a reactive component there that, that seems to need nurturing or, or, uh, some kind of, some kind of help. Mm. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. Yeah. So, Stephen, um, it, you know, the studies that have been done over this emotional contagion and how how susceptible some people are to it, and and clearly some are more susceptible, and it does appear that people who are more empathetic, more feeling are more prone to take on those emotions of others. And in addition to that, studies have shown that women tend to be more susceptible to that emotional contagion. And so your your point may be very real in that, you know, you as a man are are going to be quite maybe less reactive than a woman might be. Now, that's broad generalizations, and, and I don't want anybody to think I'm separating it into male and female, but the studies have shown, the research has shown that women are more susceptible. Also, in general, when you look at the, the empathy bars on women versus men, typically women are more empathetic. So, I don't know. With that said, I don't know if I would call it emotional immaturity as much as I would call it maybe just not developing the sense of being more of an observer rather than a, a participant in it, Stephen. And so as you were talking and I was listening, Obviously, it's really important for us all to be good listeners. That's what we've talked about this in relational health over and over. That's what makes good friends. That's what makes good partners. Uh, That's really what makes good parents is to be a good listener and really understand what's going on with that individual so that you, you know where they're coming from and perhaps understanding that emotion rather than taking the emotion on to have a better understanding of it. Well, she, she gives me, uh, responses sometimes that, that puzzle me because of uh, the intensity that some things bother her. And she looks at me and sometimes asks, why, why doesn't that upset you? Why doesn't that bother you the way it does her? And I'm just seeing it through a different perspective. I, I do agree with you. Not necessarily immature, but I guess something that just had not developed to a level of, of maintaining more emotional control than, than she's like, 
it, she feels like she's personalizing everything that's going on around her. Mm. I mean, at her, she has to feel it and share it. And uh, it's it's been a challenge to just, it's, and I'm not complaining about it. It's something that I'm learning from, that, that people are more empathetic. And she has said that. She feels more empathy, or she thinks she feels more empathy than I do. I'm just not expressing it as openly as she does. But it's it's an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet there are a lot of people out there who who have had similar conversations um, with their significant other because it 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 really sometimes some of us do and and not to say the same thing about my husband, but to separate us, you know. My husband sometimes will get quite upset about uh, something political, for example, that that he's heard and on on television and and he'll he'll be really bothered by it and and angered by it and 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 I'll say something like Oh, you know, let it go. Uh, yeah, I understand you're upset, but uh, don't don't let it affect you. I, I mean, there'll be times when he'll just turn the news off or turn the TV off because because he can't stand to listen to it. And I like to hear the whole story to get all the way through the information. And so uh, I hear you now. I'm the woman and he's the man. And so, you know, it, maybe it's just my training and and that I know sometimes you, it's not good for you to get all wrapped up too much in the emotion. I'm going to put something out there for for everybody to just think about. Do you feel like you use a lot of emotional energy and and a lot of that emotional contagion and taking things on when there is really nothing that you can do to make it change other than perhaps for example with the political thing get out and vote i i wonder how much we take things on with that emotional upset and anger and using energy up when we we should stay informed, know what's going on, do what we can to help, but not allow ourselves to take on so much negative emotional energy that it's going to be harmful to us. And Stephen, that's where it sounds like maybe you just naturally can go. Some of us are not naturally like that. Um, I can still... Um, get so very, very sad thinking about times when I was a bystander and I should have stepped in um, on a bullying incident. And those who listen to the show often have heard me talk about that. So I can still take on those emotions and I have to really do some mental self-talk to pull myself back. I do think some people do that more naturally. And Abram, I think that's where you were going earlier, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's very natural for some people to feel things more, things that necessarily don't affect them as deeply than other people might. Um, one thing that I was thinking was uh, about how myself, like, Normally, I, I don't consider myself to be uh, dragged down by too much about me. I, I try to keep a pretty positive mindset. 
Um, but when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, um, I had to kind of like, you know, separate myself from like, I, w- I was big into podcasts and like big, a bunch of different news sources and stuff. I had to just stop taking it in as much because it was such a, it was such a new experience for me to have such a, a deep hit on society that like COVID-19 did. Mm. Um, so I had to like kind of separate myself from that just because it, it affected my emotions so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, you brought up something I, I do want to touch on, and um, and that is the fact that typically face to face encounters are all are much more effective in in that emotional contagion than it is just a, a voice radio, or or whether it's social media, unless. It's where you can see the individual. So FaceTiming, um, things like TikTok and others where you're seeing everything about the person because it's not just the words, it's not just the voice, but it's the whole package together. It's putting facial expressions in, intonation, um, the lilt in the voice or the, you know, the anger in the voice. The Eeyore. Yeah, the Eeyore. And so so all the body posturing and everything is much more effective in shaping our emotions than than just words, written words or even spoken words. Of course, the spoken word, I think even on radio, many times you can you can really get where a person is, right? And you can hear the goodness and the happiness or the softness, and you can hear the, the meanness or the anger. So that was a, a, another one of those examples where uh, you know that you can be affected. So for things like social media... Be very careful about allowing somebody to get into your own space when you don't know who they are and you really don't know what their motivations are, because that can really affect you. So, Stephen, I I see you hanging there still. Do you have any other comments or thoughts about what we were just talking about? No, I I would just have to agree with you. I think it helps on both sides to be willing to listen to each other and and try to understand why that other person feels as strongly as they do. They may have a, an experience they've never revealed to you that, that leaves some, some sensitive areas. So we just need to be willing to, to listen more than talk. I, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about emotional contagion. Catching other people's emotions, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a not-so-good way. And how can you make sure that if you're going to allow yourself to catch emotions, just catch the good ones, not the bad ones? Um, Join us in the conversation. I'd really love to hear your stories about perhaps in a workplace where that emotional contagion is working for the positive or maybe for the negative. Uh, Or if it's in your household, I'd love to hear from you about 
how perhaps you think maybe a parent affected you and your abilities as you moved forward. There's so many situations where this emotional contagion, this this catching of those emotions can can really affect you. And it can affect you long term because what it is is basically a model that then you emulate. And through that emulation, it can affect your life in the long run, too, and affect maybe your choices on what you do, who, how you see what you see. And, and even, you know, I know today is, is uh, voting day, and I do hope everybody goes out to vote. But I do think that so many times we as voters sometimes get caught up in this emotional contagion of the way things are outlined and the anger that can be out there instead of looking at real facts and and making sure that you're listening. As Stephen, one of our earlier callers, was saying, just listening to, to the words and listening um, and observing what really is going on rather than taking it on before you really completely get it. Now, Doc, I've got a little bit of a question. Since you read the whole book, I was kind of looking at um, kind of a synopsis of some of what the book says. Um, and I found that someone, or this might be a separate article, um, explaining how your emotional contagion, like you could probably be more affected uh, by your spouse's emotions and you can affect your, your spouse's emotions more than, you know, my, my best friend, let's say, mm-hmm. um, you know, my best guy friend on the street when we go out. Is, is there a specific reason that you think that you could be more contagious to your spouse than uh, than to other people or coworkers or anything like that. Yeah, well, the uh, that's a good question because it it depends on what your connection is to the that spouse. If it is a loving and tight and good connection, the answer is absolutely yes because you you tend to be more connected to your spouse than someone outside uh, of your home. And so that tighter emotional connection is going to heighten your susceptibility um, and, and heighten that emotional contagion. And some of it truly may be that that it's heightened because you are more protective of somebody you love, and so you're more likely to to care about what their emotion is and so empathize with them or perhaps be more protective of them. And so you're going to take that on more. I know uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure this has happened to you. If there is someone who has hurt your wife, um, or has hurt their feelings, or perhaps given a a not so good um, statement about them, or or perhaps just not treated them well. What do you start thinking about that individual? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because like there is a situation you know where someone 
you know, wronged my wife, and my wife was able to forgive them very much faster than I've been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, I don't know, how, how are you supposed to react? And like, it, it is weird to feel that um, much, that deeper for the situation than yeah. I think my, my wife feels. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it may, it may be just that protective stance you have for somebody that you really love. And so that's, that's not a bad thing, but it is what you, you do need to remember is that, that how good forgiveness is. And, and so I'm, I'm happy that your wife was able to forgive them. That doesn't mean she's an easy touch or a, a too soft person. It means that she's been able to let go of it and so those are the those are the things but I my husband's the same way I have to be very careful about telling him about anything negative that's happened to me because I don't want him to take on upset that he has trouble letting go and it's because he's so protective of me I believe yeah for sure and in a similar vein like my my wife told me something that had happened at work that was she's a nurse so it was it was a pretty tragic story that she heard or that happened that she was dealing with with one of her patients and like it it affected me for the rest of the day like Mm -hmm. made me upset for the rest of the day because just how I imagined how I would be in in that situation yeah yeah Yeah. we take those emotions on Mm -hmm. okay we're going to go back to the phones we have Elton in Macomb hi Elton hey how you doing Doing well. Thank you for calling. You have something about emotionality. Talk to us about that. I am very emotional. I'm, I've always recognized it. Artistic, you know, musician, carpentry. I just I think outside the box. But we were made with two ears and one mouth. <laughs> it's very simple, basic science. We should listen more than we talk. Yep. Absolutely. And so many times we don't. So many times the first thing, well, you know, we've talked about this um, on not just listening and being a good conversationalist and being a good friend, but, but also whenever we are sitting down with an individual, and I, I'm somewhat guilty at this sometimes too, I have to really work at this because if we care about somebody we want to always problem solve from them (laughs) right so what do you do when somebody starts telling you something negative that's happened what do we do we typically the first thing we want to do is come up with a way to fix it right so we're going to jump in and start Telling them about well, you need to say this, and you need to do this, and you need you to do. Already know me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, we problem solve instead of listening. And so that's that's often not what people in our lives need. Often they need to just let us hear them. And how many times do you hear somebody say, "I hear you." And you wonder if they really do. (laughs) Do you really hear me? I know you're hearing the words, but are you really um, all the way in the conversation and really, really listening? And so 
Yeah, Elton, you mentioned that you're a musician and an artist and and the like. And so many times those individuals who who have that side of the brain functioning so highly are um, more more emotional, more um, empathetic, and more likely to feel feelings. Um, Somebody gets mad at me, I get mad too. For yeah. no reason. <laughs> you don't even know why you're mad. Uh, uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is a curse and a blessing. Uh, I have to write, but like I said, there's a, com- a serious ratio. Two ears, one mouth. And that brings to point, uh, you have to make have a basic foundation for your decision-making. Like the guy said earlier in the show, uh, sometimes you have to think and plan and not respond quickly. Oh. For some reason, Elton, it seems like you got cut off. But, but I want to repeat that: think and plan, and not respond until you think and plan. And I, I agree. And I think that is is one of those issues that if we all would do, we would have so much of a better world. We would be a better place. And I think most of us would be much happier because sometimes we react to an emotion or we react to some words emotionally when we really haven't thought all the way through what was said and planned all the way through what we should say. Now, a, a couple things I want to say about that call. Um, I've heard the you got two ears and one mouth several times before, but it was being disciplined by my father for talking in church and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I I can't say I've seen it in that this light before. So I, I do appreciate bringing that up, Elton. And uh, also, I want to talk about um, one thing that um, my we my wife and I have a group that we go to every Tuesday night uh, called the It Ain't About Me group. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, it's a bunch of married couples where we, a lot of the times they, when we get together, they talk and they say, um, if you're having a, if your wife comes home or your husband comes home and they're venting to you, they say, do you want a listener or do you want solutions? Um, and a lot of the times, uh, many times someone will just say, just, just listen to me and just let me tell you what my day was like and, and whatnot. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It ain't about me. That, is that something others can join? It sounds like a fun uh, group. It is. It is a church group. Uh huh. So it sounds like a wonderful. It's a very great group. I got to say. Yeah. Well, Elton, thank you for that call you brought up. And I, yes, I've heard the two ears in one mouth often, and I think. It's just, I don't know who came up with that. I'll have to see if we can track that back sometimes. Uh, I'll work on it in a second. Okay, you work on that. We're going to go back to the phones, and we have Ela from Memphis. Is that right, Ela? Hi. Hi. Great. Thanks for calling. So I think that it's the whole, you know, whether you want solutions or as a listener, it all boils down to communication. Mm. So, you know, my with my significant other, he and I rarely, like, I rarely want him to solve my problem. Mm-hmm. However, there are times when I'm, you know, really want input and, you know, it's not there. 
But it's a lot easier, for example, for me to, when I'm talking to my best friend, my best girlfriend, um, for the longest time when I would tell her something, she would just be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, you know, that she's sorry that I'm going through whatever it is that I was going through. And I was like, you know what? I don't want sorry. I want your feedback. <laughs> I, I was like, you know, it just depends on, you know, like that person and what your goal in that whole communication, quote unquote, you know, like whatever it is, is, you know, like or what your needs are. But you have to be just confident and trust that person enough. You know what I mean? Because it, you're making yourself vulnerable when you're opening up like that mm-hmm. you know, in whatever way, you know. But you have to be just go one step further and just say, I need you to listen or I need you to give me feedback because otherwise that person can't read your mind. So like it kind of falls back on me to express what it is that I need in that moment. It does fall on you. It falls on us to be better communicators, Eli. And you, you have brought something up that is so important. And, and I think women are, maybe men are bad at this too. I'd, I'd like to know thoughts on that. But I think so many times women want people to figure out what they need. And instead of communicating, I need you to listen. I love the it ain't, ain't about me thing where where um, in in Abram's group, they they say, do you need me to listen or do you need a response or a solution? Um, because if you if you really need somebody to to listen, then they need to clamp their mouth shut, listen, lean in, and really hear what they're saying. If they need a solution, actually, the bottom line is you still have to listen, lean in, and know what they're saying before you can offer a solution. Because sometimes uh, a reflexive fix is is not the correct thing. So... Um, I think you're you're bringing some great points up. It's whether you're a man or a woman, it's on us to declare what we need and and to say it. It's okay. And if somebody and my husband and I both have done this to each other. If one of us starts jumping in with a solution, it we both have said, "Wait a minute, I really just want you to listen. Let me vent." It's okay. I don't need a solution. I know what to do. Right? So that's where where we need to go, Ela. Thank you. That was great, great advice slash information. Okay, we're going to stay on the phones because I think Fletch from Barnes, is it Barnes, Mississippi, has some comments about the two ears and one mouth. Yes, I'm driving through Barnes. I don't know if that I've ever seen this before, but I'm just driving through Barnes. Okay, never heard of that. Between Carthage and Louisville. Okay. Um, so my wife and I definitely uh, need kind of the safe word from the standpoint of I need a listener, not a fixer at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call myself pretty perceptive, but I don't perceive that often enough when she really just needs uh, an ear and not a fix. Right, but my comment on the on the uh, two ears, one mouth, and that that's true. 
Uh, but for those that does that are fixers, it's hard to show restraint. So my retort would be two ears, one mouth, one brain. We, we, we can't help but, but try to respond. So it's just going to take more uh, um, intentional, thoughtful uh, action uh, between the ears before we speak. I think that's that's great to bring the brain in. You know how much I, I believe the brain obviously is my our most important organ of the body since it controls everything. And sometimes we have to make that brain click in to control what comes out of that one mouth. And and sometimes it's hard. And and Fletch, I can I can hear you in your voice saying that you're a fixer and the reason sometimes you jump in is because you really do care and you want to fix things. So I I think that many times when we're jumping in, it's in such a caring place and a protective place. But, But okay, so now we've got the two ears, one mouth, and a brain that should control both those ears and and that mouth so that that we really work toward making sure that we're not too emotionally reactive and that we're really helping someone through. Yeah, for sure. And it's all connected to it's all connected together so it needs to be used to for one big purpose. Like I think that's kind of what Fletch was was saying. Yeah. Um the full quote uh is from Greek philosopher Epictetus, I believe is how you say his name. Um, He said, we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. Ah, very good. So that's the full quote. Okay. So we all learned something. Maybe some of you listeners already knew that. But we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen more than we speak. And I think we'd all learn a lot more if we remembered to sit back and listen and not always think you have to solve the problem before you've heard everything that's out there and that we know, know, you know, the tree facts. For so. sure. I, uh, I I just want to clarify that, like, being a fixer is not a problem either. Like, it, it is it, it does show that you care and you want to help your partner or whoever's in the situation that you're talking about. Um, but it's not a problem. It's just it just might not be communicated what that person needs at the time. Absolutely, Fletch. Thank you for that call. That was great. Appreciate you listening. And Barnes, Mississippi. I have driven through you and just not known you. So <laughs> now I do. Um, okay, just quickly in the last thirty seconds, in summary, things we need to think about. Be aware of our mood. It's it's not going to be useful to transmit a negative mood. Make sure your nonverbal behaviors are in a positive direction. Make eye contact when you're listening to people. Try to neutralize anything that's coming towards you in a negative manner. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody. This was great. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from listeners just like you. 
If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Just search for Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by my producer, Abram Nanny. Our call screener, Charles Arnold, is back. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up next, right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.